You are listening to the podcast When Life Gives You Lemons, presented by me, Emma Levy. This is the podcast that interviews high-performing individuals who've been through adversity, but who have come back stronger. Today is the third and final installment of this special Battle Cancer mini-series, where for three episodes you have heard from some incredible people involved in Battle Cancer, including some inspirational cancer survivors who have benefited from the work that Battle Cancer do. If you have listened to When Life Gives You Lemons before, you will already know that this is a topic that means a lot to me as a cancer survivor myself. Following my own cancer journey, exercise and movement saved me both physically and emotionally. So it was a real honor to speak to these guys with amazing stories of survival, and I hope that you can take as much inspiration out of it as I have. Today, you're going to hear three different stories. First off is the incredible 19-year-old Rob, who is living with an inoperable brain tumor. We then chat to program coach James, and the episode ends with speaking to Mel Spooner, who is the MD of Cause, which is an online fitness education company. This chat with Mel really helps to put these conversations from the Battle Cancer Gang into context, as it is her company, Cause, who are responsible for co-creating the Battle Cancer Program accreditation. Just a reminder again that these chats were recorded live at the Battle Cancer Fitness event in London, so please do excuse the less than perfect sound quality at times. So first off, we've got Rob Bichon. Yes, very good. <laughs> and I'm going to introduce you if that's okay to our listeners. So Rob introduces himself as saying, after competing at a high level in CrossFit as a team, Rob was given two years to live after being diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor a month after turning 16. After enduring side effects from surgery, radiotherapy, and 25 kilograms of rapid weight gain from steroid treatment, three and a half years later, Rob has now gained back a lot of his fitness and started competing again. After entering a few Battle Cancer events himself, he has now traveled the world with the Battle Cancer crew, bringing the same experience that gave him such a sense of community, togetherness, and inspiration to as many people as possible. Rob's mission is to promote fitness and CrossFit as a means to give your body the best chance to battle and recover from any illness that you might be hit with. Also to inspire those not only affected by cancer, but anyone who can take any good from his struggles. So Rob, thank you for coming and talking to us today. So tell us, three years ago you were diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor. You were only 16 years old. Can you tell us what you remember when you received that diagnosis? Well, first of all, I was, I was very shocked. You hear me? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had some symptoms, purely just headaches. And, um, and I went to doctors a couple of times. Uh, and they they didn't really know what was going on to start off with, really. Because I was physically, I was still competing in CrossFit, um, uh, doing qualifiers, um, open and everything. Um, training every day. Uh, so the only symptoms I had really was, was headaches. And so I went to the doctor's a couple of times. I had to go to the optician once to get sort of see if there's anything behind my eyes or anything like that. Nothing really. The doctor's like, okay, let's just sort of send you for an MRI to just check things out. So I got an MRI sort of really quickly. Because you know, sometimes I have to wait quite a while. so. I, didn't, I still didn't think anything of it, really. I didn't think anything of it at all. And um, had my MRI, got the, got the results within uh, like two weeks. If that, maybe, actually, more like a week. And uh, still, up to the appointment, 
even even up to sitting down the appointment, I had absolutely no idea anything was anything was like possibly wrong. So basically, sat down, and the, my consultant had had uh, the phone, had the scan on the screen. Basically, taught me through it, talked me through it. Um, very aggressive, very aggressive. Grade five, uh, grade four, sorry, grade four um, DIPG brain tumor, and um, basically nine to twelve months. Basically, was said. Um, and if the radiotherapy works well enough in two years, so I'm like absolutely just shocked. I just complete like display. It was so surreal. I just went from literally just thinking about everyday school in the car on the way to hospital, thinking, oh yeah, blah blah whatever, gotta go train later, all this sort of stuff. Um, to I have I have cancer and I'm gonna have to get radiotherapy in a couple of weeks. Yeah. So was your main treatment radiotherapy or did you need any surgery? Yeah. So I so after my diagnosis I went back and forth getting different scans, MRIs, well I had MRIs and then so they wanted to do a biopsy just to see if they could really get a sample that showed grade four because they didn't believe that they, the grade four diagnosis didn't match up with my physical what I, what I was presenting. Yeah. Like my, my grade four scan wasn't matching up with my, my physical symptoms. Okay. Like compared to what usually what usually people have with um, DIPG, you know, serious yeah. loss of balance, right. and serious double vision, um, speech slurring, swallowing problems like choking or like swallowing and stuff like that like none of that i mean i was like handstand walking and stuff so. really so you just just yeah. had some headaches literally yeah wow. i mean they were they were pretty bad headaches yeah. to be fair but only from when i was lifting and stuff so like heavy lifting um like you know like when you hold your breath and lift and stuff like it was just like blinding headache like, okay, so like, they were bad headaches. Like, like closing in vision, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they were pretty bad. But I still naively, I don't know, didn't think anything of it. Now I think back, like, how did I not think anything of it? So, so, um, so they were basically just, they, were, they, wanted a, they wanted to push the biopsy because they wanted to know for sure what it was. I wasn't really sure because they kept saying, like, well, you know, brain surgery, you could be paralyzed die all these different out possible outcomes and I was like well if you're so sure it's aggressive in grade four then I don't want to risk the last bit of my life that I have paralyzed forever but then I had um, other scans I think it was an MRS and an MRP I think which measured different things like blood flow to the tumor um, and that was showing lower grade as well so they so they were like really think we should do a biopsy. So I got the biopsy and we should grade two. Okay. But that's only one part of the tumor. So I mean it could be for all like for all we know it could be like the little bit they got of grade two, the rest grade four, but don't really know. Um so I had my operation and I lost half the feeling in my body. Like, all my left side was all numb. Well, that was after the biopsy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you woke up and you couldn't feel half your body? No. no. And I had double vision. So basically, everything that I could see was like copied 
but like I moved her over. So I had like um, blacked out like glasses, like basically iPad glasses and stuff. So I was wearing them. Uh, I had pretty much learned to walk again. Like the first time I got out of bed in Glasgow, I walked to the toilet, which was maybe like 25 meters, and I was throwing up from motion sickness. Just from walking that far. My head was all over the place. Um, and could they take they could was there the option of them trying to take the tumor away surgically? No, that wasn't an option. No, so DIPG is um diffuse intrinsic pontane glioma. So intrinsic, so it's it's um to my brainstem. Right. And it's intrinsic my brainstem just like growing through. Yes. So it's not just like growing on on my brainstem, it's like growing through it. So like and because it's in the middle of my brain, they can't get to it anyway. But even if they could, it would damage the brainstem and the brainstem's too. Yeah. Do it like important and fragile. Like if you did anything to that, it could paralyze you. Yeah. Anything, anything. And the physical side effects. So right yeah. now, do you still not feel half your body? Uh, no, I, I, I got the feeling back. It's just slightly different. Like I have different sensations to my right side. It always feels a little weird. How quickly after your surgery did it come back? Um, some things like like heat, I could uh, like cold with freezing water and boiling water felt the same. That came back sort of quicker than most things. But um, I could walk properly after maybe like three weeks. Okay. And yeah, I played about that and I was like back in the gym, maybe like four weeks doing like like gradual sort of air squats, that yeah, sort of stuff. It's pretty good. Yeah, so. So when did you start the radiotherapy? Um, that was about maybe like a month, two months later. And how long did that last for? Um, so, well, radiotherapy was a bit of a, uh, I don't I was going to swear, but I don't know if I can swear. Uh, it, it was a bit of a shit show, really, because I um, started my radiotherapy uh, at the start of lockdown, basically. So I, it was in Aberdeen, which is two hours, two hours there and back. So it was four hour round wow. trip. Every day? Yeah. Well, originally it wasn't meant to be, but because of lockdown, it had to be. So I was going to be staying in Aberdeen. Um, Monday to Friday, and then come like go on Monday, come on Friday. So I was like, okay, that's what you like. So six weeks, so five days a week for six weeks. But um, after two weeks, a uh, lockdown hit. So I did well. Actually, the first week, so I did five weeks there and back every day. So four hour round trip every day in the middle of lockdown, um, which was absolute hell. To be honest, I hated it. Um, but luckily, I didn't actually. My radiotherapy side effects were like um, delayed, so I didn't like some people get really sick and stuff as they're having treatment. Yeah. But I actually it only really hit me probably like two weeks after, which is all right because otherwise four hours before every day was horrible. Yeah. And what so, were you doing at the time with schooling? I mean, you were only sixteen. Yeah, yeah. So I was in, I was in fifth year in Scotland, which I'm, I'm not sure what that is in England. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was 16, so it's like the second last year, which were my main exams. Um, but that obviously, I didn't really care about exams at that time. Um, 
So you just stopped. You stopped all four months. Yeah, away. yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I, I I stopped it. I was going to school a couple of days a week just to see my friends, really. But lockdown hit pretty much. I mean, I went to school maybe like five times. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. lockdown hit. Um, but I uh, I feel like um, with my my therapy and my steroids. Uh, Lockdown is probably a good thing in some ways because I didn't miss out on anything with my friends. I've been 16, it could have been really, really difficult being at home. Also, luckily, my girlfriend, she stayed with us in lockdown, lived with us the whole five, six months, whatever, which is pretty amazing. So, I, I also didn't feel completely alone from people my age and stuff which is incredible. Yeah, so I went through my cancer in the lockdown as well. And I always say the same thing. I say, there's a lot of bad things going through in lockdown, you know, being totally alone, no, you were quite isolated, but at least um, there was no FOMO. Yeah. You know, we weren't yeah. missing out on Absolutely. anything. Life was not going on And if we were missing out, then everyone else was missing out too. <laughs> yeah. And also, I like the fact no one saw me in that, in that uh, state. Really, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think I was, too bothered by that. I've never been too self-conscious. Yeah. Um, so even at that time, because um, two weeks after my radiotherapy, well, I started my steroids at dexamethasone, which is like pretty potent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I started that during during lockdown, and originally, like my dexamethasone, dexamethasone, it, I just made me feel great to be honest. It, I felt it felt so good. Like instantly went from having like horrendous headaches like the day after I took my first cup of towels. I was like, oh, I feel great. You're like buzzing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but quickly that went that went so south. <laughs> so, like two weeks after my um, radiotherapy stopped, my um, my steroids started like really sort of hammering me. So, in four or five weeks, I um, gained 25 kilos. Wow! In such a short period of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my stretch marks. Oh wow! Yeah, so like they were just literally tearing. Like yeah, my skin yeah. was tearing. My day was horrendous. So um, I yeah, I, um. Steroids were rough. Yeah, steroids were rough. Let's talk they about exercise bad. then. So yeah. at this period, you said you, you went back to the gym four weeks after your yeah. surgery, yeah, and then were you still exercising throughout radiotherapy? How did that? Uh, as much as I could. Yeah, it was the steroids that really stopped me from training, just because my like, muscle wastage as well as putting on weight, yeah. the more attention, and my my stomach went like rock solid. Like I can imagine it was kind of like being pregnant. So it was like I, I couldn't sit I couldn't sit like this because my belly was like pressing my leg was too painful. Yeah. So I'd either lie down or stand up. So that was really bad. Um so I had to stop being in the gym really because of steroids and my body was just going all on just focusing on healing and that. And so I had to stop that. But um so six weeks of no sorry, six pretty much five months of steroids. Yeah. I, um, full dose of dexamethasone going up and then coming back down coming back down took longer than going up i think yeah. some weeks it was going down in like 0.25 milligrams which was like barely anything yeah and then um once it got once it got off once the off steroids 
the water retention pretty much dropped pretty fast. Um, I still had like loads of, I've still got weight just by having it for sort of shape. Um, so when did you get back at the gym? Um, pretty soon, so in 2020, I came off my steroids in August, I think, August, September. Um, and I was back in the gym pretty much, like, pretty quickly after that. Okay. As soon as I felt sort of good enough. But, I mean, like, I remember one day, like, one of the first times I am back in the gym, I did, I did, like, a couple air squats and some, like, step-ups, and I was, like, thrown up. But it was, it was like, so rough. Because I went from, in the, as a teen, I was doing the age group online qualifiers and CrossFit. It was like 100 and something, 112th in the world or something. Oh, wow. So I went from that and I was like completely shredded and everything to like 100 kilos, overweight, throwing up from doing like step ups. Yeah. Which so it was, so, it was so difficult. It was like a total shock. Yeah. A total shock to my system. So, um, how did the journey look like for you from then? Then, how did you work your fitness up to get back to where you are today? Uh, very slowly. <laughs> very slowly. Yeah, just um, listening to my body loads. Like my radiotherapy, um, it still hits me sometimes. Um, but for for 2021, the year after my radiotherapy, I was just really tired. Just radiotherapy, like radiotherapy, tired. It's just a different kind of tired. Kind of feels like you're like you don't feel like sleepy tired. It's kind of like your muscles are just like going to sleep, and your muscles just don't really want to work. It's so more just, of an exhaustion. Yeah, it's like a seat. Yeah. Completely out of it. So, like, I had some days, some, it was kind of like six days a week, I was knackered. And, like, one day I could do stuff like normal. And then slowly it'd be like five days tired, two days. And now, and I slowly going down like that and just sort of training, training when I could, when I felt okay. So, I felt okay. I was like, right, get in the gym, yeah. do something. And then I felt terrible then, then I just, it's sort of like, well, I'll just sort of write it off, like do whatever. Um, so it was then, a slow journey. Yeah, you had to very, pace yourself back very up. Very slow, yeah. And then how did you get involved with battle cancer? Okay, well, battle cancer. Um, uh, so in twenty end of end of twenty twenty one or end of tw end of twenty twenty, sorry. Um, um, the company whatever it takes like wins. Uh, wet finish. They were doing. Um, like uh, awards, end of year awards, and uh, my brother had nominated me for the Mind Over Matter Award, I think it was called, and um, I didn't know, I didn't know about it. My brother, my brother nominated me, and then it was like New Year's, like Hogman Inn, I think New Year's Eve, um, and they posted on Instagram, and it was Scott Britton, um, founder, founder of Alcatraz, and he had, he was one. I'm not totally sure if he was one that was presenting that award or if he had chosen who to win it. But um, so he did, like posted posted on Instagram stuff, and uh, I knew about bowel cancer, but I hadn't totally, I wasn't totally sure exactly what it was. So I thought after that, um, I had a few phone calls with Scott and stuff, and I got in touch with him and stuff, and uh, I thought I better, I better. Um, enter event. So me, my brother and my mom and my girlfriend did Battle Camps in Manchester 2021 and had an amazing time. It was so good. I met first time I met someone 
um, with cancer, with with a brain tumor as well. Oh, wow. Which was really good. And, and he was doing Craig McIver. He does. He works. He works with everyone's bowel cancer. He's uh, a gym expert. Um, so he he's doing really well as well. He's he's um, still got his brain tumor, and he's got back to really good fitness, really strong. And at the time, I was still just trying to get back my fitness. It wasn't too long after the therapy. And it was a huge, huge inspiration. Sure. You know, being around loads of other people that had cancer, all working out together. Like just the, the suffering, the suffering together um, with my with my brother, my mom and my girlfriend. But it was a suffering that sort of like, it wasn't, it didn't mean as much. It wasn't as painful as the suffering we'd been through already. Uh, it was kind of like kind of like working out together it sucks but it's not that bad at the end of the day like it, it was kind of just sort of kind of like celebrating in a way yeah. in a strange way how important do you think the community aspect is of these battle oh, it, it, for me for me it's the main it's the main thing for me yeah. it's just the main thing speaking just getting the opportunity to speak to different people about their story and how that can help me and if i can I can help them with anything that I say, then that, that's like that's the main thing. That's the main thing for me. So, and what do you think sets Battle Cancer apart from other post-cancer fitness initiatives? Um, I think, I think the, uh, the sort of it's almost like a celebration. It's nothing. It's not a negative thing. It's not like a sort of like a all oh, that sort of like let's get back from cancer let's struggle back from cancer you know, like let's battle cancer let's let's really go like not, not not be scared of it let's really go all sort of like all in head first and you seem to have a really positive mindset were you always a positive person or has your mindset changed since your diagnosis um, uh, probably always been quite positive yeah yeah i um i yeah, I've not, I've never, I've never sort of, uh, I don't, I don't know, I don't have a headache, but I've never like, I've never sort of been very negative. I've never been too like, conscious, I, I'm not like self-conscious. So I sort of just thought that when I got cancer, I mean, some days I would be like, just down, like so down. I'm just like horrendous. But then other days, I was like, let's, let's just, let's do this. I mean, like, what, like, what am I going to lose? Like, like it is what it is. Like, I, I have cancer. Like, yeah, okay. Like, what can I do to help? Like, I'm not gonna feel sorry for myself. You know, it's like, it's not really, it's not really an option. Being like, being, being scared of it or being negative about it. It's like through me or whatever. It's like, yeah, well, I'm gonna. I'm, if I have a short amount of time to live, if I have a, like, do have a lot less time than than everyone else or what I would have. But like, I'm not gonna waste it feeling sorry for myself or being sad. I'm just gonna live it, you know, like live it how I, how I want to. Yeah. So where do you think you get that resilience from? Where do you like stand in the nature versus nurture argument? Um, I, I've had, I had a very like, good upbringing in terms of uh, like, I love my farm, love my farm. And um, so we've had sort of like pretty good work ethic. Just sort of get up and go, do things, do lots of things. Um, my mom pushed me. Well, I say pushed me, but um, did, I did lo like loads of sport as a kid. Like all growing up, like tennis and football, running, loads of it. And so I found CrossFit, um, and then all in CrossFit. So 
I had a huge like um, ethic, uh, like work ethic of fitness, keeping myself healthy, keeping myself like ready to, ready, ready to do things and not, not feel sorry for myself. You know, if I need, if I need help in something, then I can, I can go and do that rather than rather than sort of waiting for other things to happen. So do you think a lot of your resilience came from your background in CrossFit? And when you were oh, yeah, encountered say, with cancer, so. you had that strength? I would say so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I found that from talking to loads of different athletes. I, I think sports people have the, are taught resilience. Yeah, for sure. Basically, for sure. so when you're encountered with something like cancer, you've got this kind of toolbox yeah. to help you fight it. Yeah. And it looks like, you know, you've done amazing with your positive mindset. Yeah, thank you. Um, tell me, is there any other strategies you've used except for exercise to get you kind of here where you are today? Um, well, well, apart from nutrition, yeah. uh, how, like exercise nutrition, uh, cross, well, CrossFit for me, was, I mean, I preach like CrossFit, that's just what I've done. And, you know, I always think that if it got me where I where I was to come back, all the all my consultants, neurosurgeons, etc., they're always saying like if I wasn't in that position of of fitness and health, then I wouldn't have been. I wouldn't have been able to recover at all. Like when I went in for my operation, the the heart heart rate um, monitor, like my heart rate was too low to be picked up on the, the resting heart rate was too low to be picked up on the monitor. So I always think things like that for me, fitness and my nutrition is huge. Like it, when I was recovering from my operation, my mum was bringing in like broccoli and like home cooked meals and stuff. Cause she's like, I'm not allowed to eat hospital food. <laughs> any longer. Oh, that hospital yeah. food is terrible. Yeah, How's that going to help anyone recover? Exactly. I mean, their toast is good, to be fair. <laughs> their toast is good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rob, final question. If yeah. you could go back in time to when things were their toughest in the last three years, what do you wish you could have told yourself? Um, well, so, well, when I was given two years maximum to live, and I'm now alive nearly four years after, I wish I could told myself that. Um, but I suppose, I don't know, I I feel like where I am, I'm quite happy with. So I, I don't feel like I would want to change too much. I even think that with cancer, I think, you know, I mean, obviously cancer is horrible and it's brought me so much grief and unlike trauma, but um, I'm where, where I am, like traveling, people I've met, people I've met through bowel cancer, for example, um, the relationships I've made, people I've been friends with, um, a lot of that wouldn't have happened without cancer. And obviously, I'm not saying I wish, I'm not saying glad I had cancer, but you know, like it's not, it's not been terrible. You know, I, I found, I found a lot of positive. Um, with cancer, so like, I don't even know if I would go back and sort of change, change having cancer, you know, like, I, I'm sort of, I would sort of be scared to think what I wouldn't have without all these options, like, experiences of having sickness and being diagnosed. That's fascinating. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rob. Your you. positivity is inspirational. And, you know, I can tell around the arena how, pop you, how popular you are with the Battle Cancer crew. <laughs> so, you know, you're obviously giving something back and it's just, it's been brilliant to witness that. Thanks very much. Thank you. We've got James England here and I'm going to read a little introduction about James. 
James is a wonderful coach, apparently, who has been with Battle Cancer since the very beginning, helping them to lay their foundations and co-coaching the first run of programs at Gym Box Farringdon back in 2021, and now hosting his own program at the wonderful CrossFit Huntsman in Hertfordshire. With his eternally positive attitude to help people and a wealth of knowledge and experience, James has given his participants the best experience through the program, supporting and encouraging them to try new things they never expected to be able to do, providing education, teaching technique, and watching them grow with a sense of pride along the way. There you go. Wow, wow, pretty, pretty amazing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay, pay big money for whoever wrote that one. <laughs> so someone wrote that introduction for you, but is there anything you would like to add to introduce yourself? No, I think that's um, everything within there. It's um, obviously been with the Battle Cancer program from the start. Uh, this is about to go into our fourth phase now, which is it's been an incredible journey over the last kind of what, last three years, especially coming out of lockdown. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an amazing, an amazing organisation to be part of. So. Brilliant. And what is your involvement with CrossFit before Battle Cancer? Have you been involved for a long time? Yeah. So. Um, I've been in the fitness industry for the last kind of 13, 14 years of as a coach. Um, I've always been very active in sport and used sport to help me build my mindset and my body and, and the sports I play with. Which sports specifically? Uh, I used to play rugby. Rugby was my main sport. Um, and I spent a lot of time coaching uh, rugby and children. And it took me along the lines of getting into coaching within the fitness industry. Um, CrossFit. I've been doing it for the last, say, five years, six years, and how into Central London, I was in Shipsmiths, and then I moved out to Huntsman and took the uh, programme with me out there and set it up, uh, set it up in um, Hertfordshire as well. Nice. So how did you get involved with Battle Cancer then? Um, so I have always been very aware of what Scott was doing. Um, he's a, obviously a big character within the fitness industry and loved what he was about. Um, and it was understanding kind of as well his message he was putting out there around cancer. Um, I think like so many people, cancer affects everybody um, in, in some kind of form. And um, it's been right through my family. It's been a lot of kind of like death. And I think it was seeing the message of past cancer and, and Scott promoting it and kind of pricked up my ears. And then I kind of studied a lot Kind of further into what it was all about and it was it was something that when there was an opportunity to be involved i was kind of the first one throwing my hat in the ring and trying to get involved yeah so, so you did have that personal motivation yes. with the personal history of people in your family struggling yeah. with cancer that drove you to, to get involved yeah there was um on my on my dad's side out of family of uh, eight brothers and sisters, seven of them have died of cancer, and my the last one has had cancer twice, and she's still going through it now. Wow! So it's uh, it's very it's very personal, but it, it's the same for everybody. It it, it takes their prisoners, um, and it yeah. affects everybody. So. Yeah. Well, it's one in two, isn't it? They yes. say one in two people are going to get cancer in their lifetime. So you know, when you look around a room like that, they're like this with full of three thousand or whatever it is people, yeah. and you think that half of these people at least are going to get cancer. That's yeah. quite. It's quite a significant yeah, yeah, number, isn't definitely. it? Definitely. Um, so tell me, how does your work in the gym as a coach compare when you're working just like with your normal CrossFit guys to your Battle Counter Program clients? What's, what's different in the work? Um, do you know what? It, it's not so much what's different, it's more the similarities amongst them. You can have any athlete come into your gym and you have to adapt to what is in front of you. 
Um, and I think that's what's so good about the program is that when an athlete comes in or someone from the Battle Cancer program comes in, we have a format of a, an amazing progressive 12-week program that we're going to put through, but we have to adapt to each one of those individuals to what they've gone through, whether it's because of the surgeries, whether it's the abilities within fitness industry, um, their fitness levels. Um, and I think that's where it's the similarities with what we do every day. Is we have a lot of athletes in front of us and we have to adapt to everybody's uh, uh, abilities. So it's very individualized. Yeah, definitely. I think we have a, a frame which we run off, but it's understanding, especially with the kind of knowledge and education we've had, is like, okay, you might be doing this one movement, but we're going to do something similar to get the same stimulus, but we're just going to adapt a few things. So it allows everybody to still keep moving forward, um, get those adaptations, build their confidence as well. Yeah. Um, so when you're encountered with someone on the Battle Cancer program for the first time, yeah. how do you establish where to start? Um, I think, first of all, obviously, we, get to know as much about them as possible and understand everybody's abilities. Um, when we first start the program, we go through um, all our tests to start with, and a lot of it will just be the things like you're looking at their, um, their balance, their flexibility, their range of movement. And we'll try and bring in like basic movements into that. So looking at a squat, looking at a lunge, being able to see whether the mechanics of their body moves in a certain way. And then from there, we can start building on the layers as we go through the program. Yeah. And are you quite goal-driven? Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's great to see the progress. And if you're looking back at all of the programs that we've done, you can see people's strength has gone up by 150% um the the range of movement has been better the quality of movement has been better um so setting them kind of little goals going by every four to six weeks gives everybody that little bit of motivation right this is what we're aiming for we're going for that next kind of that next six weeks and how important do you think the emotional side is the psychological side as well as the physical side when someone's in your program oh i think that this program is nothing to do with the strength and the agility it is all about the mental side i know it's packaged up as this progressive strengthening um conditioning and getting everybody back moving their body but it is a hundred percent about the mental side and building up the mental strength um, more than what it is building up the physical strength and, and helping people understand the things that they can do, not what they think they can't do and getting people to have that belief in themselves and having those little wins along the way which kind of really picks them up. So how do you adapt your coaching to help them achieve the, the most they can? Um, I think you said like the, the goal driven setting up to um, coming in Understanding like the benefits of what they're doing within the gym can take it away to their everyday life. I think that's really important. And there's a lot of people who come in and they're, they're feeling low and things aren't going kind of their way and they're in a really negative headspace and they haven't come, but they've left feeling like empowered and go, actually, that was really great. I, I did get something out of that. And then it has that knock on effect with everything else that's going on around their life as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's giving people that sense of control, isn't it? Because I always think that exercise is something they can control. Yeah. They know what they can do that specific day and how they're going to achieve it. And it makes them feel like them again yeah. versus a cancer patient. Yeah. Um, so I did a bit of Instagram stalking. Okay, okay. <laughs> this can't be good. 
Am I right in saying you've done a few ultra challenges? So you've done an 80 kilometer ultra run? Yes. And you did a 24 hour workout for charity? Yes. That must have been difficult, 24 hour workout. Um, yeah, I think it's, I, I like to do challenges. I think it's anything where um, putting your body and putting your mind through a bit of a test to see how far you can push it. Um, the um, ultramarathon was uh, sold to me in a very different way by um, my, my partner Harriet, um, saying it was just a 12 hour race, you can go as steady as you want, but the competitive side to us made made it a much uh, much more grueling test than it was. Um, so did you do it together with your partner? Yes, it was 12 hours max distance run. Um, so you just ran solid for 12 hours? Yeah, with little bits to uh, stop and get a bit of fuel, but I think um, Harriet ran 103, 104 kilometers in 12 hours. And, and we did it as a team, so we all did it for charity, and I think we raised, uh, we completed about 260 kilometers over those 12 hours of running. Wow. So. And again, how important do you think mindset was there versus physical strength? Yeah, I think uh, mental preparedness, and I think um, understanding and breaking down the challenges. I, I wasn't running for 12 hours. I was running for 12 one hours. Um, I can take on the challenge of a one hour run. If I pace myself, then I work on the next one hour run. And, and that's how we kind of do that with um, our training, our program as well. It's like, we're not looking at the end goals, the, 12, the tw end of the 12 weeks. We're looking, okay, this is what we're completing today. This is what we're completing um, over the next week. Let's, let's see how well we do this. Let's see what goal, um, the results that we achieve. Then we go to the next week and, and it's that kind of week by week. But taking those little steps rather than worrying about that end goal, um, you're going to make much more kind of progression as we go through. Yeah. And in that 12 hour run, was there any real low moments where you thought, I can't continue? Um, I think just over halfway. I think I set little goals and I, I did it in a very kind of methodical way and broke it down into different directions. And I knew at a certain point I had to hit a certain time. Um, to be on what I was aiming for um, and it's that goal setting line once I hit that target it gave me kind of uh, that that confidence going, oh right I've done this bit okay on to the next bit again and there were definitely some lows later on in the afternoon when the legs were hurting feeling under fueled the toenails were falling off um, so how did you bring yourself back from those lows some good music some jelly babies <laughs> um, <laughs> I think you've just got to kind of dig into those dark moments of knowing that actually by the time when you get to the end and keep going, um, then it's all going to be worth it, to be honest. And have you got any challenges planned for the future? Um, we're looking at a few at the minute. Um, I think we're going to try and do a coast-to-coast, -coast, which is one side of Scotland to the other next year. How, how far is that? 100 miles, um, and it's a run, bike and kayak. Oh. I think that's what we're looking for at the moment. So. That's, that sounds exciting. Uh, yeah. At um, least that, that kind of feels a bit more achievable than just running. Yeah. Um, different muscle groups, different yeah, pressure definitely. points. And I think it's, it's, I like to take on, I like to step out my comfort zone every year. I've done, I said, the ultra marathon, we did the, we did the charity 24 hour thing. The year before I did a, a boxing match as well. So it's, Every single year, it's like trying to take on the next challenge. Something I haven't done before, which is kind of pushing me out of my comfort zone to, to, to grow. What was the boxing match challenge? Um, it was a white-collar boxing fight. Um, stepping into the ring, 
I wouldn't say it was my most enjoyable thing I've done. Um, the training is the style, style of training I like, but I did it. Um, just in front of a big group of people, just one person in the ring with me. Uh, but yeah, it was an experience. It yeah. was good. And do you feel a sense of accomplishment when you finish these challenges? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I um, I I love the, the the feeling when you get to the end of the challenge, and, and it was actually the the running ones that when I get to the end and I cross that finish line, I, I have this um, unbelievable sense of emotion just come over me, and I feel like as soon as I go over run, running line, I just want to cry. It's really weird. Um, yeah, I, I, I get it as well. And I, I can't ever put that feeling into words. No. Can't describe it. But you achieve this thing that you don't feel... Yeah, I, I, I don't even know how to describe it, but I totally empathise. Yeah. Um, going back to Battle Cancer, what do you think sets the Battle Cancer programme um, apart from other post-cancer fitness initiatives? Um, I think looking at the like the quality of coaches the programming like how we're it is a especially how it's kind of been growing and developing over the last kind of few years it's, it's constantly evolving learning from what we've done before taking the things that um, have worked things that haven't worked kind of pushed aside and just growing in the direction of to get the best and build up as much kind of confidence and strength within the athletes that are coming through the program. Um, I think any program, whether it's Battle Cancer or it's any other of the other ones, which are trying to help anybody, like through the process of um, the recovery or like the post cancer, I think it's an incredible, um, it's an incredible cause. And I think the. Battle Cancer, especially because obviously I'm going to be biased to be in it, it is an amazing program that helps so many people and it's only growing and only getting better. Um, and let's see firsthand the positive impacts, like physically and I said mentally, it's going to be the main thing. It's, it's phenomenal. So. so you think it's changing the lives of survivors? Yeah, 100%. And just to see, and what I love is seeing the people's stories, where how they've kind of evolved and they've gone on to so nervous about setting foot into a gym and getting their body moving again to hitting these like amazing achievements um people have been here competing doing the program once they've already been on the uh, finished the balkans program or they've joined the gym because they now said they can do have that confidence and things it's, it's amazing to see yeah and do you have a highlight of working with battle cancer clients over the past few years i think i think the highlight is just listening to people's stories. There have been so many amazing characters um, and it's it's just been so rewarding just to see everybody as they progress. I don't think there would be like one personal highlight. Um, there's definitely a few characters which have made us laugh and, and they've been brilliant. And we have like, a, we go for like a drink and social at the end, we all stay in contact with each other. And um, yeah, it is a really, really good. So again, like other people have said, is the importance of community, isn't it? Yeah, and, and I think that's the big part. When they step in, obviously it's an incredibly nerve-wracking space, but they're in a community who've gone through similar journeys and in a kind of like a similar place. So it kind, I think it puts people at ease a little bit. And obviously we are trying to create as much of a safe space and a positive space for, to help say, keep building their confidence and keep moving forward. Um, so it's great when we can sit down and people can kind of open up and talk to people with kind of people kind of understand a little bit and 
sometimes I kind of shrivel away in the corner listening to people thinking, right, okay, like the phenomenal things that you're kind of battling against. And it's, uh, um, it's amazing to see the yeah. strength that everybody has. It's inspirational. I mean, today I'm learning more and more about it with everyone I speak to. And I think it's amazing what you guys do, what you guys have done with Battle Cancer. And just to see it all here in London, like these, you know, all these people working out, it's phenomenal. So thank you for what you do. Thank you very much. Yeah, amazing. This episode is sponsored by Battle Cancer. The Battle Cancer Programme is a charity organisation that provides fully funded 12-week programmes to those in recovery from cancer. The programme is open to anyone who has finished their active cancer treatment by two months or more and at any pre-existing level of fitness, looking to support their recovery, rebuild lost muscle and cardiovascular fitness in a coach-led, small group environment. Battle Cancer strives to help build strength, confidence and reconnect people with their bodies. You can learn more and apply for your nearest program by heading to www.battlecancerprogram.com and following the steps to join a program. So I'm sat here with Mel Spooner, Hello. the MD of Cause, and I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself, please. Oh, sure thing. Um, so Mel Spooner, Managing Director of Cause. We are an online fitness education business and we are a partner of Battle Cancer. We co-created a certification that probably 60% of my time right now. Um, my background, just real quick, I've been in the fitness space for about 20 years, worked for various different brands, and then I've been working for myself now for, it'll be nearly 10 years, moving into 2020. Wow, okay. So can you tell me, in real simple terms, what cause is? Absolutely. Um, online fitness education company. Yeah. Um, for the most part, we create original new content. So um, clubs, gyms all over the world, coaches, tell us what education content they feel that maybe has been missing before or they've not had access to that they feel would help them work with a different group of people or work with a certain different group um, of people in a different kind of way or might help them to perform better in their jobs. So often we collect all of that feedback from the clubs and the coaches that we work with and then we go away and we create that content. Um, for us, for the most part, because of where our business started it's very often health oriented so our next big content drop for example focuses on training around the menstrual cycle and the menopause yeah it's um, very and topical at the moment as well hugely topical um, yeah. at the moment and obviously we've done the cancer stuff with the battle cancer guys and um, various other health oriented pieces in the background but we also do kind of some of you more um foundational stuff so we certify personal trainers as well okay so your background in fitness personally what do you do to keep fit? How did you get into the fitness and exercise space? Oh, wow. Uh, so me personally, in terms of training and stuff, um, I just like to lift heavy things. Um, have you always liked to lift heavy things? Uh, I mean, if you go way back, like full disclosure, when I was at school, I used to write my own notes for PE and all that kind of, all that kind of shit. You know, I wasn't, I've never fully embraced sport, but I think that's possibly because um, I swam competitively as a really young child and then maybe just fell out of love with that vibe a little bit. Um, I've never been very good at throwing and catching things. So, and, and sadly, as a child, that was never really honed in on any. So I kind of was a bit, bit rubbish at team sports. Um, and then I ended up at Loughborough Uni uh, not to do sport, as it happened, despite it being a sports university. And everybody was into sport and the gym. And that's how I got into the gym okay. um, and then sort of found you know 
strength work and lifting, etc. And um, got into kickboxing when I was at uni. Very nice. So again, individual, no throwing, no catching. Yeah, okay. And you got into working in the fitness industry way back after university or you've... Um, uh, fitness industry probably came a couple of years after uni. Um, again, it was not a, a plan really to enter the fitness space. I'd done PR, marketing and maths at uni and thought I would come into the you know my next phase into my career doing um, marketing or PR oriented stuff that was my initial plan um, and I ended up the very short vision is I got a job working on reception at a gym um, local to where I live I'm from Stoke originally and did that selling gym memberships uh, sorry worked on reception and then got moved into selling gym memberships and I just liked sales if I'm honest um, and the sort of relationships that you can nurture in that sort of environment and then from the gym space and the operational space, I then went on to work for various different brands across the sector. But that's where it began, just gym reception. Oh, wow. Okay. And tell me about your relationship with Battle Cancer, how you found each other. Um, we, Myself and my business partner, Carl Robertson, we set cause up in 2020, um, which again is another huge story and conscious not to make everything a long one. Um, but what really launched our business at that time was we created a program in April 2020 that taught professional coaches and fitness professionals how to rehabilitate people from COVID and long COVID. Um, and Scott had seen that and seen that obviously we tackled a topic that was very new, very novel, super health oriented. Separate to that, a few people that we're mutual friends with in the space had recommended us as a, um, a point of interest, useful contact in terms of some of the intentions that Scott had. So Scott approached us back then, said, seeing what you've done with the COVID stuff, um, we're looking at creating a program specific to cancer that would help battle cancer achieve some of their aims quicker. Um, I don't know if people listening fully realize that obviously we've got the battle cancer events, but separate to that is the battle cancer program charity. And the goal of that charity is to raise money to give access to fitness for people who've had cancer um, and Scott said you know with all the well in the world and with all the events in the world um, we're always still going to be a little bit limited by how much funds we could raise and his notion and his vision was if we could create a certification that teaches fitness professionals, P teachers, coaches across the world how to deliver a post-cancer program to people who've experienced cancer in communities where we cannot possibly all be at at the same time, um, that would help and make that more of a scalable mission for battle cancer. Um, so of course we said yes. Uh, it was always on our roadmap. We know that it's something that coaches are, are more passionate about, want to better understand and support those around them. We know that employers, gym operators, it's an area of interest for those guys to develop. And just by pure coincidence, um, it's one of my business partner specialist areas. Um, and, you know, as you pointed out at the front end of this, it's really close to everybody. Um, so it was always going to be something that we did, but just from a timing perspective, when we got that initial contact from Scott, we kind of all pressed go and cracked on with it. Yeah. So Cause have created a certification for trainers. Is yes, that right? correct. Yes. So if there's any trainers listening, any coaches listening that want to partake in that certification to be able to take on to Battle Cancer Program clients, how do they go about that? 
Um, all they need to do is contact us. So thank you for the little plug there. Um, so we're Cause. They can check out the website, which is trainwithcause.com. Or you can, you know, just drop me a DM on Instagram or just email me melspooner at causegroup.com. Um, and we can just talk to the guys about yeah, how it works, why it might suit how they currently operate as a coach and what's involved. And at the moment, if someone wants to coach on the Battle Cancer program, they have to come through that route. They can't go any other route. Yeah, okay. correct. So how did you guys go about um, developing that program? Great question. Um, so my business partner, Carl, who I mentioned before, so his his trade, if you like, is he is an exercise and nutrition scientist. Um doctor of physiology, clinical researcher, like Olympic coach, all that sort of stuff. So he's worked across clinical practice and sports medicine um, and sports performance to highest level, but he also understands how to take real complex health topics and just make them applicable to, you know, everybody in this room, arguably. Uh, that made him sound really grandiose, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so that's his background. So with that, he was appointed by Scott, really, as head of science and research for developing the program and then Scott and Cole co-created the Battle Cancer program which is the programming that any of the participants would go through Um, and the guys that Scott and Cole piloted that across the world for two years Um, so we did that first before we did anything Um, how did they pilot it? Um, they ran it as a program across 20 locations internationally ranging from um, Dubai to Brazil right the way through to Exeter, which is obviously where Battle Cancer Head Office is. Um, and then we started to get really cool data points. So by just by way of example, uh, the highest, I think, improvement that we got in the strict press was 1,480% increase. Yeah, mad. Um, we haven't had any improvements, I think, that are less than 90% increase on where someone was at when they started the program. And loads of people very often between weeks one are doing the program to week 12, they get like a 150% increase in all their markers and stuff. So really, cool. so we were seeing all the results we wanted to see strength-wise, physiology, physiologically-wise, um, but also in terms of the personal feedback that people were giving us and what they were getting out of the program beyond the physical. So on the back of that, um, we then decided to create the certification to back it up and support it so that other coaches in other locations could then go ahead with the rollout. Yeah, and having spoken to a few coaches today and a few participants, we've really highlighted the importance of the emotional and the psychological side as well as the physical side of the program. So does the certification include anything around that? Yeah, loads of stuff. Um, We're really conscious as well that often that's some of the stuff that gets missed when sometimes we first talk to facilities and some facilities don't maybe understand and this is kind of, I guess, when, when me and Carl and often our team come in, that there are very likely people within your gym facility now that are dealing with cancer. And I've learned through this process that a lot of people who are in that situation don't want to tell their gym what they're going through because they don't want to be treated differently or told they can't do this class and, and all that sort of stuff. So we do talk about that and just kind of raise awareness of that um, and represent some of those voices and what people have said that they would really like to see from their gym facility or a coach or similar that they work with Um, and with that there are people um, who have done the battle cancer program that are featured in the content and they talk about that katie then shout out to katie if she's listening Uh, (laughs) she's a coach now at crossfit oldham or crossfit ll1 um, and she did the battle cancer program as a participant 
post breast cancer and she got so much out of it that she then decided to qualify as a coach and then run the program herself so Katie's perspective is really interesting because she's in the in in the certification she talks about her experiences as program participant but then she's able to then share with coaches listening how as a coach you might want to consider that sort of stuff Um, and then beyond the exercise programming and that sort of stuff there's a lot at the end where we talk about more of the human aspect of it and the emotional aspect of it um, and some of the conversations that people maybe want to have or maybe don't want to have yeah and I've, again I've spoken about it with others today but you know the fact that exercise reduces the risk of cancer recurrence by 60% it's so important that people are partaking in exercise following cancer so how important do you think it is what you're doing oh Phenomenally. Um, Without a shadow of a doubt, just from an anecdotal perspective, without a shadow of a doubt, a lot of the meetings that I have, which are often with big organizations or just kind of one-on-one small organizations, etc., and they're interested in rolling the program out, every time you do that, a personal story comes out of that. Like, there's something for that person as to why, in particular, maybe they're, like, extra motivated and extra passionate to kind of... um, put a program like that and make that available to their community so that alone just from that kind of one-to-one feedback huge but the group that the battle and it's not exclusively and about like kind of one of our big things is we don't want to exclude people but the, the core group that the battle cancer program is aimed at is late stage cancer rehab and how we classify that when we're talking about it with people is people are signed off from all medical health care doctor care anything formal and gone right you know all good you guys crack can't go back to life as normal in inverted commas um, and often people are going back to the gym and going okay well where, where do I begin because I maybe have um, my strength may be different to where it was X amount of time ago or my confidence is a little bit different or I'm still experiencing some challenges around this and they've got questions and historically and of course there are cancer programs they do exist they are all over the world but they're not everywhere and they're not for everyone Um, and often they can be very kind of in that acute phase and what we wanted to provide something that wasn't just an acute you know it it is an acute rehab but it's more around if you're in this space and you're looking to kind of think about and think ahead and progress back on into fitness we wanted to provide that and historically that's just not been available Um, so I think providing something that people can tune into that they love that mimics what any other fitness class would look like um, doesn't put like crazy labels on things and that sort of stuff that's huge um, but also if you look statistically and you get a little bit granular in terms of what provisions are available in other parts of the world and parts of our country like for I'm going to nerd off a bit now but like in the UK there are people may, may or may not know there are 20 cities across the UK that statistically have like relatively high cancer rates but relatively low rehab provisions so it's those sorts of cities that we as a team together we will pinpoint and make sure that there are access to support and communities and conversations in those spaces um, so we're trying to come at it from all angles really awareness taking action um, but also reaching out to maybe where it's not been considered as much in the past if that makes sense and it's so interesting because you mentioned as well that it's you aim for like kind of that acute well not acute sorry just a couple of months isn't it after someone's late stage stage. 
And that, as someone who's been through cancer, is actually one of the hardest times because when you're going through cancer and you're kind of on mission cancer, you know, and it's like a full-time job and you're going appointment to appointment and you're very busy and everyone's always asking you, how are you? And everyone's kind of helping you. And then it all finishes and it's quite a talked about thing in the cancer community. It all ends and you're suddenly a bit lost and a bit isolated and you don't know where to go. And so guys like you who are like offering this program, I think it's just bang on timing and it's exactly where you need to be, you need to be, which, yeah, so thank you for that. Oh, no, and, and I think kind of the other things that we're really trying to work on at the moment is we have had people, um, and I don't mean to be provocative when I say these comments, but we have had some facilities say to us, well, we've never been asked for that. And I, and I kind of go, well, I mean, just because you've not been asked for it doesn't mean that there are people around you that need that support. They probably wouldn't necessarily think that they can get that sort of support from the gym. But knowing that it was available, especially if they're already a gym goer, makes their lives a million times easier. Well, what you said earlier, you know, I remember not t wanting to tell my gym that I was going through cancer because I was scared they were going to say, well, you can't come. Yeah. Or, you know, you have to sign consent forms and it says, are you going through treatment? And I remember, like, I think it was on holiday or something. I remember crossing it because I didn't want them to tell me I couldn't come in. So... I, and I, I fully, and like I say, we've heard that countless times before and that, that doesn't... I know it's not right, but it doesn't surprise me yeah. in, totally. The other thing that I'm... I've been known to say a few times which kind of really gets my grill but we're trying to focus on is loads of people that get excited about hosting the program sharing the program being a facility that um, has a program on the schedule is because like I said someone has a personal story there um, and when I was asked a few months back at a conference in Singapore how could we talk to different types of groups of people outside of our gym a little bit better? And I said, wouldn't it be nice if it didn't take a cancer diagnosis for a facility to want to host a program for people with cancer, or it didn't take a dementia diagnosis for a facility to want to create a program specifically built for people who are experiencing early stage dementia, etc. And so what's amazing is we have these people who, um, you know, are really blazing the way by rolling out the battle cancer program early days because they understand it they understand the heavy impact it will have on people's lives but what we really love is if we can all together as a collective go beyond that and just make it even more accessible by making it appear less niche yeah. and what are you doing then to face that resistance how do you mean what are you actually doing to make it less niche what are you doing as an organization to get to those people? Good question. Um, most of that, and so far as the cause piece is concerned, most of that is my job. Um, so having conversations with tons of fitness facilities foremost, letting them know that the program's available, talking about the fact that if you're not being asked for it, it's probably because we're just not asking the right questions, etc. But beyond that, um, a key kind of... Um, I wondered what Anna was doing there. A key kind of... Um, What's the word? A key relationship and a partnership for, for cause as a business is we're doing quite a lot of work at the moment with sports teams and football teams and spaces that are outside of the gym environment because obviously not everyone's a gym member. Um, and we're having conversations with those guys about how we can talk more to their supporters and their fan base um, and letting them know that this is a program that exists, that you can access it at the gym, but if you're not a gym member but you've got a really cool relationship with your football club then we're working with the football club to roll out those sorts of programs 
So we're doing that with football clubs at the moment and cricket clubs. Oh, brilliant. It's not for any reason that we're particularly favouriting those over other sports, for other sports listening. Um, but that's just where a lot of the opportunities have happened quite quickly. So where do you see the future of cause at Battle Council? What do you want it to look like in five years' time? Oh, well, that's a great question. Uh, just because there's loads of really cool um, little bits going on behind the scenes that Scott and I are talking about at the moment and trying to figure out where we take things next. I think the priority for the programme is a awareness letting anybody out there in the world who is experiencing cancer or who is close to someone with cancer let them know that this is here the purpose of it um and so that they can get in touch and see how they can get involved and take part um number one number two is letting know sports facilities school facilities corporate facilities gym facilities know the program's here and to see if they're interested in hosting it and taking part etc just real quick on that I should point out because cost of living crisis and all that sort of stuff um, for a coach to get upskilled and run the battle cancer program is £50 and that's all in that's it Um, and those sales are shared with the battle cancer program charity as well so it's all just kind of self-perpetuating in that regard Um, so as part of that um, the priority will be making sure that the program is available in key cities across the UK but also every major city that has a big in the first instance got a big fitness prevalence and then beyond that just as many places as possible Um, and then beyond that we're also now just looking at how can we get the right messaging and maybe um, like shorter form advice available to a bigger population if say they're not likely to have the Battle Pants programme you know, come to a facility or location near them in any immediate time, just so that people aren't left hanging yeah. if they're looking for kind of advice or support. That's brilliant, thank you. And final question, what do you think sets Battle Cancer apart from other post-cancer fitness initiatives? Ooh, uh, that's a really good question. I would say for me, and I think Scott would answer this differently and I think my business partner would answer this differently as well, um, I think it's the authenticity and the honesty of why we're doing it, where we're coming from, um, the types of conversations that we are encouraging coaches to have with people, um, and the, the kind of the real nature of, of what it is that we're all talking about. Um, but also, like you've kind of alluded to it, and, and I always feel a bit fraudulent when I say this, because I've not experienced what you've experienced. But I, based off of people that I speak to, people who've had cancer want to work out just like the rest of us, right? That's why we're all here. Or they want to be, they want to do what they would normally do, just like, um, just like the rest of us. And I find that a lot of, when people say cancer programs, a lot of people traditionally think old person in a dumbbell with two kg weights in a clinical room walking around in a circle. And... And, and if, if anybody said to us, that's actually cancer rehab, when we're used to throwing barbells around, you're going to go, that's not for me. And there is a place for that, and I'm not completely shunning that. But what we're trying to say is that isn't what it has to look like. It can look like something totally different, and the conversations you're having in that space can be very different. Yeah, thank you. I think exercise is so, for me, so important as a cancer survivor and for most of the people in this room I think as well you know having spoken to them the importance of exercise and I think what you're doing 
in cause and also with Battle Cancer is phenomenal. So thank you, keep doing it. Thank I'll you. wave your flag and thank you for talking to me today. Oh no, th thank you so much for having us. And yeah, as I say, for us it's more about just making sure that the conversation's being had um, and that the people in the uh, the people in the Battle Cancer program, the stories that they tell could do a much better job of anything I've said today. And there's tons of those on the Battle Cancer YouTube where people can see um, the difference that participating the programs had on them and the sort of relationships that they've made as a result of taking part. So yeah, have a look at those, probably be much more um, kind of a real version of what to expect. Yeah, but it looks like there's so much planned for the future, so it's only getting bigger and better. Yeah, let's hope so. Yeah, thank you. No, thank you, thanks for having me. I really hope that you enjoyed that episode in the whole Battle Cancer mini-series. I think that what Battle Cancer do is truly phenomenal, and I personally feel inspired having been given the opportunity to speak to these guys. If you enjoyed listening, please do share it with a friend and please rate it, review it and subscribe to the podcast because it really does make a difference. And don't forget to look back and check out some of the amazing guests who we've had previously on the show.